We're glad you're listening to Rama for Today. Uh, my father-in-law, you see, he said, that fellow, he, he's been saying, come on. He said, I don't like to know who you are. You'll just have to wait, sir. I'm not quite ready yet. Then he said to me, you're going to get the children up here talking about Ken and Pat, his only two grandchildren, who you had to be 12 years of age, you see, or older to get into the hospital, and they were under that age, 9, 10. And, and I said, sure, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, let me see them before I go. Only grandchildren he had. And I, so I went to the uh, superintendent of the hospital, and they said, oh, do anything you want to do. He ought to have been dead two days ago. We don't understand how he's lived. Just, just don't pay any attention to any rules or regulations, anything, anybody you want in there. And he was in a large room by himself. And I think that night, I don't know, it's full of people. It was just full of people. And you'd think that he is going on a vacation tomorrow. <laughs> he was fully alert and talking, you see. I remember when Ken came in about 10, you know, and said, Paul, Paul, I've been praying for you. He said, I know it, son. I've been praying for you, too. <laughs> Amen. You're listening to Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagan. Later in today's program, I'll tell you about this month's radio offer. Right now, let's join Kenneth E. Hagan with his classic teaching, The Believer's Authority. Blessed be God, there's authority that's invested in us by the Lord Jesus Christ. We haven't always known that. And so I said, I believe I'll just rebuke this death. I believe I'll just command him to live and not die. And the Lord said to me, just as plain as you talking to me, he said, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, I thought about it afterwards. That's, that's the thing that really ticked me off and started me studying this subject. I knew what the Lord said to me. He said, don't do it. Well, when he said, don't do it, that meant I could have done it. Or else he wouldn't have told me, not, no, don't do it. Amen. Isn't that right? Somebody start to sit down if there's an empty chair there and you say, no, don't sit there. That's, that's my wife's going to sit there. That's reserved for her. Don't do it. Well, that means they could have sat down in that chair. You wouldn't have told them not to. If they couldn't have sat down, there's no use telling them don't. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that right? So when he said, don't do it, then, then, then I, I realized later in thinking on it, you see, that meant that I could. And so he said to me, don't do it. You see, he'll never have a better time to die than now. And after all, he is 70. And he said that he's got all of his finances in order and all of his uh, business in order. And he's ready spiritually. There was a time that he was not ready spiritually, but he's ready now. And he'll never have a better time to die than now. You leave him alone and let him die. Well, then I found myself saying, I don't know, I get surprised at myself once in a while. I found myself saying, I don't know how come me to say it. Just real quietly, just in a whisper there by the bed, I said, all right, Lord. All right. Now, I'll let him die on one condition and one condition alone. <laughs> now, I was exercising authority I didn't know I had, you see. I let him die on one condition and one condition alone, and that is you bring him out of this death and let him leave a good testimony. And then I let him go. Now, my wife was his only girl and his baby, and then I married her, and she's my baby, you see. <laughs> and I knew she'd take it quite hard. But I knew that if he could leave a good testimony, because she had asked him many months before about being ready to go, because she realized he's getting older. And he'd said, well, honey, I don't know whether I'm ready or not. One time I think I knew, but I don't know whether I'm not. And she was quite disturbed. You can understand that. And I knew then that it would soften the, the blow, you see, to know he's ready. I said, you bring him out of it. 
Let him leave a good testimony and I'll let him die. I don't know how come me to speak that bold. I remembered that I did that with Brother Haynes. That's how come me to do it, you see, three years before. I suppose that's a reason why. I hadn't got those words out of my mouth. I'm talking about exercising authority. I hadn't got those words out of my mouth till like you snapped your finger. He opened his eyes and looked up at me, fully conscious. That's what the doctor said because he was summoned and he was there in about 45, 30 to 45 minutes. And, and, and he said to me, you know, I've never seen anything. I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. If I hadn't examined myself, you couldn't make me believe it. If some other doctor told me, I wouldn't believe it. But he was fully conscious in every way. And he said to, to me, he said, Kenneth said, I'm dying. I said, I know it, Mr. Rooker. He said, now the sooner the better. I said, I know that. He said, this is Monday afternoon. He said, you know, ever since Saturday afternoon, there's been a man right up there. He was an angel, too, it was. Been a man right up there. See, when, you, when Christians die, they go up. When sinners die, they go down. Hell's down, heaven's up, according to the Bible. Amen. And so he said, uh, there's been a man right up there, and said, every now and then he'll motion me. Come on, and say to me, come on. Well, I looked up, and I didn't see anything except the ceiling, but I realized that he's up here on the perimeter, you see, between earth and heaven. He's a seeing over into that realm. And he looked up and said, Sir, I don't rightly know who you are, but I'm just not quite ready yet. You'll have to wait a little. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop off, take a little side journey here. I remember down in Houston, Texas, many years ago, there still is an evangelistic temple in Houston. But uh, the old original evangelistic temple was built by old brother Ian Ritchie. We called him Dad Ritchie. Many, many years ago, it sat right close to downtown. The city bought it, and I'd have forgot, I don't know what they did with it, and they've got a new one there now. But Brother Ritchie, I remember reading the headlines of the paper, right on the front page, see, of one of the Houston papers. On Sunday morning, 80-some-odd years old, he was preaching when death came. And, and the paper stated the headlines of the paper, you see, because he he'd been there in the city for years, and this old evangelistic temple in Main Auditorium seat 5,000. And... Uh, it, it mentioned about the fact that he commanded death to see to wait because everybody heard him right in, the, in his sermon and he stopped and said, now you'll have to wait till I finish my sermon. He finished his sermon and they could hear him over the, PA, over the microphone, you see, and sat down and went home. But when the death angel came, he said, you'll have to wait till I finish my sermon. <laughs> Oh, glory to God. And then I'll go with you. And so he finished his sermon, sat down, went on home. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, my father-in-law, you see, he said, that fellow, he, he's been saying, come on. He said, I don't rightly know who you are. You'll just have to wait, sir. I'm not quite ready yet. Then he said to me, you're going to get the children up here, talking about Ken and Pat, his only two grandchildren, who, you had to be 12 years of age, you see, or older, to get into the hospital, and they were under that age, 9, 10. And, and I said, sure, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, let me see them before I go. The only grandchildren he had. And I, So I went to the uh, superintendent of the hospital, and they said, oh, do anything you want to do. He ought to have been dead two days ago. We don't understand how he's lived. Just, just don't pay any attention to any rules or regulations, anything, anybody you want in there. And he was in a large room by himself, and I think that night, I don't know, it's full of people. It was just full of people. And you'd think that he's going on a vacation tomorrow. <laughs> he was fully alert and talking, you see. I remember when Ken came in about 10, you know, and said, Paul, Paul, I've been praying for you. He said, I know it, son. I've been praying for you too. <laughs> Amen. 
And he, he, he never left a sad word. He laughed and talked, you know, just joyous and glad. And, and you'd have thought, he told everybody, never did tell my wife. He, she's the only one there. I think he thought, well, I'd, I'd cry if I did that. So told everybody goodbye except her, you see. And, and you'd think he's going on a vacation tomorrow. Now he lapsed into unconsciousness the next day at the same time. And he'd ask them not to give him anything, and so they hadn't. And having experience with death myself, I knew that when death fashioned its final throws upon him, if you're not under, if you haven't had a stroke or your, your brain's not impaired, that, uh, that you will, when death fashioned its final throw, momentarily regain consciousness. And so I was standing at the foot of the bed when suddenly his eyes popped open and he saw me. I knew death fancy final throws upon him and he said to me, my God, Kenneth, I'm dying. I said, I know it, Mr. Rooker, but you're ready to go. Yeah, he said, I'm ready to go. I said, you're not afraid to go. He said, no, I'm not afraid to go. I said, lie back on the pillar and let her go. <laughs> and he just lay back and re relaxed and a smile flashed on his face and a light flashed across his face and he took off. <laughs> Glory to God, he left. He left. See, there's victory even in death. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Well, now I said that to you to say this to you. That got me to thinking. Now, wait just a minute. I never said a lot about it, but I did begin to think about it. Is there an authority? Do we have authority on earth? Does the church have authority? I knew that wasn't just me because I'm a preacher, you see. Do we have authority that we don't know about, that we haven't discovered, that we're not using? You see, is the Spirit of God trying to show me something? See, I'm talking about 1947, then 1950. And so I began to study along that line. I began to think along that line. I began to feed along that line. And I began to see more and more light begin to come along this line. That you see, Jesus, as we've already pointed out to you, did say after he was raised from the dead, all authority, King James says power, the Greek here word really means authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. But that authority on the earth has been delegated to the church. So now then I, I, I realize this. And I began to see it. And I remember some years later then we were up in the state of Washington preaching. And my, uh, my sister called me. My mother was in desperate condition, actually critical condition. And she wanted me to come. Well, I was a little closer to my mother than the other children. I saw after her tended her business for her and so on and so forth. And, and so I, I didn't know whether my sister is, you know, you can be so close to a situation that you can't be emotional and she's an emotional type of person. So I called the pastor of the Assembly of God Church that she's a member of, you see. And he said, well, yeah, Brother Hagin, I just came and I believe I'd come home if I was you. She's calling for you and she is critical. And so I talked to the pastor and we decided just to close that night. We'd come on in. And I was in a side room praying, as I would be every night, praying about my meeting, but then I prayed about my mama. And, and I don't know, I found myself, I remembered then these incidents. You see, and I said, Lord, you know, she's just 69. She'd be actually 68, be 69 in about a month. And I don't know why I'm saying this to you. I talk to him just like I do a person. He is a person. God help us to get away from all this formality and mess in prayer that isn't prayer at all. Are you listening to me? Just talk to him. I mean, like you would another person because he is a divine personality and he's your father. Amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. 
Welcome to Rhema for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagan. You can find more great materials by Kenneth E. Hagan, Kenneth W. Hagan, and the rest of the Hagan family by visiting our online bookstore. I want to tell you about this month's radio offer. This month we're offering Kenneth W. Hagan's four CD set, How to Be an Overcomer. We're also offering Lynette Hagan's CD, Defeating Satan's Strategies Through Prayer. Last but not least is Kenneth E. Hagan's book entitled The Art of Prayer. All these items at the special price of $35. Call toll-free 1-888-FAITH-99. Again, call toll-free 1-888-FAITH-99. You can also order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G, rhema.org. Or if you prefer to write to Kenneth Hagen Ministries, our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. We always love to hear from our listeners, so write in or email us today and become a part of Rama for Today. Right now, Let's join Kenneth and Lynette Hagen. We're going to be in Florida. A Living Faith Conference there in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. That's January the 21st. Sunday the, night. Yes, through the 23rd, Champion Life. That's at Pastors Roddy and Daniel Schaefer's church. Uh, you can go to rhema.org and find out all the information. And then we're dropping over to St. Augustine, Florida on January 24th through 26th. That's mm-hmm. Wednesday night through Friday night. At Anchor Faith Church, Pastors Earl and Marcy Glisson, and we invite you to come and be with us. Yes. Even if you even if you're up in the up in the North Country, come on down to Florida for a few days and enjoy not only enjoy the weather there, yes. but enjoy basking in the presence of the Lord as we That's have right. all of these services. Tomorrow on Rama for Today, we'll continue Kenneth E. Hagan's life-changing teaching. That's next time on Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagan.